Hello, and welcome to IRI Growth Insights C-Suite Conversations. I'm your host, John McIndoe, Chief Marketing Officer here at IRI. IRI leverages forward-looking insights to help companies in the CPG, retail, healthcare, and media markets grow their businesses. Our purpose is to reinvent how people make decisions, take action, and optimize performance by unifying technology, analytics, and data. At IRI, we are about smarter decisions, faster actions, and exceptional performance. As part of that effort, we regularly share our thought leadership with the industry at large, addressing and tackling the most pressing challenges and opportunities within our industry. Our special C-suite conversations features notable leaders talking about the future of CPG and retail. In this special episode, we'll be talking with Chris Rupp, Executive Vice President and Chief Customer and Digital Officer of grocery giant Albertsons Companies. Albertsons works across 34 states and the District of Columbia under more than 20 retail banners, including Albertsons, Safeway, Vons, Jewel Osco, Shaw's, Acme, Star Market, King's Food Markets, and Balducci's Food Lovers Market. Chris has responsibility across e-commerce, marketing, loyalty, data, and customer service functions. She joined Albertsons in December 2019 and steered Albertsons e-commerce team to scale to meet the surge in customer demand brought about by the COVID-19 pandemic. This monumental work included new product functions and supportive infrastructure to deliver better customer experiences, streamlining operational processes to reduce friction and cost, and championing a culture that is customer-centric, data-driven, and agile. Albertsons benefits from Chris's 30-plus years of experience including executive positions at Fortune 100 technology companies. Previously, Chris was Vice President of Fulfillment by Amazon, Vice President of Prime, General Manager of Microsoft Store Marketing, and General Manager of Xbox Store and its Growth Lab, an impressive track record to say the least. Today, we'll be covering an array of topics, including Albertson's rapid response to shifting consumer and shopper needs, during the pandemic, its approach to staying ahead of emerging trends to deliver highly successful customer experiences, as well as expectations and prognostications for the future. Leading today's conversation is my good friend, KK DeVay, IRI's President of Client Engagement. With that as background, welcome Chris, and it's my pleasure to turn it over to KK. Chris, welcome. We're Thank so you. glad and so happy you're here. Uh, what, a, what a last uh, two-year journey for you at Albertsons and what a big journey for Albertsons as you're transforming. So we would love to learn a little bit about all the transformations that you have done and you guys have kind of winning share in the marketplace. And so uh, with that, I just wanted you to kind of recap a little bit of all the you know, accomplishments of Albertsons companies in the last couple of years and the traction you're having in the marketplace. And then we can double click on how you're doing it, how you're kind of enabling that digitally. 
Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. And uh, we we have been on such a tremendous journey over the last couple of years. I have to say, uh, I, I've felt several times in my career like I had excellent timing, and this was one of them. Because arriving in December in 2019, just before the pandemic, gave me just enough time uh, to meet the team and to learn the business and to get to know a little bit more about the customers of the company before we had to dive right into making some significant change and uh, doing the proverbial flying the plane while you're building it. And, um, you know, I would love to share a little bit about this because uh, there's been so many tremendous learnings for us and a lot of them just starting with, you know, when you need to make a lot of change, what are some of the key elements that have to go into that? Uh, so if I take a step back for a second, um, you know, Albertson's companies had an e-commerce business uh, for for a couple of decades. So it's not new in terms of having e-commerce services for customers, but we realized that we wanted to expand those services even before going into the pandemic, you know, make them more accessible to our customers, ship faster, get much better at delivering exactly what the customer expects. You know, all of those kinds of things were just things we were thinking about in December of 2019 when I started. But, you know, of course, going into the pandemic, uh, people needed access to their groceries and didn't want to have to go into stores. And so with with that happening in March of 2020, we needed to really accelerate. And so that's where I think, you know, is where it's where you really test the metal of yourself and the executive team because you've got to figure out how to prioritize and move quickly. Um, when I think about some of the things that we did, uh, first and foremost, we just wanted to reach more customers. And we had about 500 delivery hubs serving multiple stores. So, so each of those hubs wasn't just serving only uh, the customers in the immediate neighborhoods around those stores, but serving the a broader set of neighborhoods, perhaps covering several stores worth of uh, delivery customers. And so having those delivery hubs had been an important way we were serving customers before, but we needed to be much more expansive. So we have been increasing those delivery hubs and also making sure that we had drive up and go services available in many, many of our stores. So again, starting from a few hundred, now you know we have over 1,500 of our stores are now available with both drive up and go services and delivery. But underneath the covers of that, there's so much more because, for example, we had a picking tool that wasn't working very well in our store environment. Uh, the technology wasn't working well on our Wi-Fi capabilities. It was getting disconnected a lot. It was very difficult to serve the customer's needs because, first of all, the system wasn't staying up and running as much as it should. But second of all, uh, we weren't being very directive with the pickers in the stores about how to serve the customer's order, leaving a lot of it up to judgment. The individual judgment of the shopper and the shopper in this case doesn't know the customer and it would be very difficult for, for even me to make a guess about what to shop for for you if you were to give me a short list of things. I don't know if anybody else has had this experience, but in my family, my husband does all the shopping. 
and uh, he will not send me to the grocery store. I will pick it wrong. And if I can't pick on behalf of my husband, <laughs> I can tell you it's a very difficult job for a shopper. So some of the things that we had to do underneath the covers were things like reinventing picking software so that we could really examine what an excellent job is in serving the customer and then be much more directive with the shoppers in the stores about what customers were looking for so we could fulfill precisely on the promise that we were giving, both in terms of the things we're shopping for for customers, getting the merchandise right, but also getting the on-time delivery right. And so um, uh, recreating the systems underneath that are connected in a way that allow us to fully meet the needs of the customer was an important thing that we had to figure out. So, uh, you know, over the course of this time, we, we not only expanded our services, but we also dramatically improved our on-time deliveries and other just really simple aspects of e-commerce, but things you must get right if you're going to serve the customer well. I can relate to it because in my household uh, too, uh, I don't shop. I'm not allowed to shop because I'm an impulse shopper. So I'm banned from stores. My wife does the shopping and there's always some gap between what I want and what she gets. Anyway, um, I, think, I think this is a fascinating thing about uh, uh, increasing both the number of stores as well as increasing the accuracy of the order fulfillment and, uh, and the timing, right? Uh, which is fantastic and clearly played a big role in your share gains last year. Uh, but as you kind of look forward, right, um, you know, assuming we don't get any more bad news about COVID variants, right, as consumers are kind of coming back to stores, how do you see this customer needs evolving, right, in terms of Omni shopping, et cetera, et cetera, all these initiatives, do they kind of uh, you know, which of them will stick, right, in terms of consumer behavior, and therefore, what are, which of your initiatives are going to continue, and which may be sunset if, if, if that's the case? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, one thing that we did as we were upgrading our services is we really thought about the turnaround time for an order. And historically, we had been fulfilling orders in about 22 hours. And we thought, you know, we need to get much better at being able to turn around an order a lot faster because of a customer's convenience needs. And so, you know, we, we engineered the software that we were building in a way that would allow us to change those delivery turnaround times. We call those click to deliver times. And uh, we went from 22 hours in many of our major markets down to two hours in terms of the amount of time it would take us to serve customer orders. So now if you were to go on our app or our website, you'll be able to see uh, in many major markets, uh, time slots two hours from now that you can receive a delivery or time slots an hour from now that you could swing by our stores and pick up your order through drive up and go. And you know, that's an example of customers having immediate needs to fulfill and having a strong desire for convenience and between those two things i i think those two things are going to guide a lot of e-commerce in the future for many retailers 
you know, what is the form of convenience that you are offering for your customers? Because uh, technology is helping us enable these solutions that mean we can have very, very quick uh, ability to serve a customer's order and getting it right which used to be based on the judgment of an individual doing the shop on behalf of the customer, but we're getting better and better at that too. So I think convenience is something that we'd better all focus on for uh, solving new problems in the future. Chris, you talked about uh, shortening the delivery window from 22 hours to two hours. That's terrific. Who actually pays for this convenience? That's a great question. You know, one of the reasons I love digital transformation is because what you're using to get that done is technology and data. So the idea is that you don't have to change your cost structure or what you charge the customers to get this done if you're leveraging the use of technology. And so, you know, for example, when you're thinking about delivering faster, you need to think about what is the drive time within the radius around the store. And so you can do a number of calculations to make changes so that you can be able to deliver deliver faster in that zone. And you can change the way you offer delivery slots or drive up and go slots to customers so that it's only the number of, uh, you know, only two hours out or only one hour out. And so by making those technical changes, you're able to offer a much faster service. And we didn't change the cost structure of the business. Uh, and so we're, we're looking for technology to do the heavy lift in those situations. This convenience will be an ever evergreen team. What are some of the other uh, teams that you believe will be playing out uh, in terms of grocery shopping in the next uh, year or two? Well, I think the other thing is that you know, people like convenience with a very broad selection. And so that's, that's why I am highlighting the fact that, you know, we are offering the variety available within the four hours, the the four walls of the store uh, um, at the two hour promise, because we think it's both things, both broad selection and a quick turnaround time for customers. Um, you know, we've done some experiments to offer a much more narrow selection for a much faster uh, speed, and it's so much less appealing to customers. Yeah. So, you know, I think broad selection is just another piece of it because customers like to go to a one-stop shop. They yeah. don't want to have to go to a number of different places to get the work done. That in itself is not convenient. So you also just have to think about what is your customer really trying to get done? And if it's shopping for um, a recipe that has a broad variety of products in it, mm-hmm. you have to be able to offer broad selection. Got it. Uh, and, and how do you, so convenience you've highlighted, selection you've highlighted, let me kind of pivot here and talk a little bit about, are you also offering marketplace where you can you know, bring in a, other vendors to um, do that and it's all within the same platform or is that something how do you think about it? We see a lot of marketplace announcements coming on these days. Yes. I also see a lot of marketplace yeah. announcements. And, you know, I think a marketplace can be a great way to broaden selection, to uh, make a, a broader offering to customers. But, but um, you know, we tried a marketplace a couple of years ago, and we learned a lot from trying a marketplace. Uh, we didn't approach that marketplace in the right way. And primarily because we offered it as a standalone store 
as opposed to embedded in the shopping experience for the customer. So, you know, you could come to our app or website for Safeway or Albertsons or Jewel Osco, uh, and you would not get that extended selection. You would have to go to a different app to get it. That's a key learning for us. You know, you can't set up separate apps and expect customers to have to navigate their way across a complex ecosystem. It has to be really simple and intuitive in terms of your UI. And here's a great case of by separating those two things, we really sort of orphaned our marketplace assortment and it didn't work well for us. So, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know what we might do in the future, but for now mm -hmm. we've decided to focus on the aspect of what is within the four walls of our store and how to make sure the breadth of that selection is available very quickly. And you have also done quite a bit in terms of your app, right? So you kind of, I believe you've consolidated your apps. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what you did and uh, what are the benefits to the customer or to the shopper? Exactly. Uh, you know, one thing, uh, one thing that I really love about thinking about the customer first and then uh, building an ecosystem around how the customer wants to shop is you can quickly come to the conclusion that having all these separate apps is more about the separate business units you have inside the company and all of the things they were trying to get done, but nobody took a step back to put those things together because a customer doesn't want to go to five or six different apps for one company. And so, you know, just another aspect of thinking like the customer, you put all of those apps together in one and now anything they want to get done with you, they can get done in one place. It's another version of a one-stop shop. So, you know, I just think it's important, you know, at every turn that you're thinking just like the customer is so that you're making it easier. Now, we, we have merged together our loyalty app, which was about uh, giving customers discounts and coupons. Uh, and that was its own experience before. And we had separate from that e-commerce in a different app. Uh, and so if you wanted to shop for things or, or learn about specific items, you had to go to a different app. And so we've put those things together. They are in one app. And we also now have a pharmacy experience within that app. And it's much easier for customers to move throughout the ecosystem now. And, um, you know, the pain that you have to go through, though, in the very first step is that you are changing the experience for the customer who was used to either landing in a loyalty environment or an e-commerce environment. And now you've moved some of the buttons and some of the navigation that looks a little different. So you have to be really mindful of how you're uh, bringing this new app to market because you'll lose customers along the way if you aren't really careful about it. And, and you have increased uh, app usage, right? Uh, I think yes. you know, in our discussions, you've talked a little bit about uh, could you kind of elaborate a little bit on how many loyalty members and how yes. often do they shop with you? Yeah, we we have millions, millions of loyalty members that are regularly coming to the app and shopping with us. And mm -hmm. one of the side benefits then of putting this all together and organizing it in a way that customer can access everything about the relationship with us is that those millions of customers who have been loyal customers for decades using our coupons are now getting exposure to e-commerce and seeing how easy that is to use as well. So we're getting a lot of movement within the ecosystem because of having putting those things together. You get the same effect in e-commerce. There are customers who have come to us specifically looking for e-commerce 
And now we can pull them into the store environment because of the great coupons and other engagement tools that we have in the app as well. You've also announced a number of partnerships over uh, the last uh, uh, few months, right? Or actually over the last year. Could you talk a little bit about you know, some of these partnerships and what role do they play? Yes, over the past um, probably 18 months, we've been working with a variety of partners to get better in a certain area of our tech stack or in uh, something that we're providing to customers. And I'll give you a couple examples of this. When we were going through the pandemic, of course, we were all, if, if you remember, uh, eagerly awaiting whether a vaccine would be developed and you know everyone wanted to understand the implications of that. And we were busy thinking, gosh, we've got pharmacies in so many of our stores and we're already offering flu shots. We really wanna be able to help by offering vaccinations to our customers. Uh, and so we were thinking about how do we get out in front of this to make sure customers would know it's available? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, because you know this, this is new for everyone on the planet. Uh, and this is a great place where Google helped us get our message out. And um, you know they have developed some new features for Google Maps that allow you uh, to put pins in different locations where you have stores and help customers in that local area understand the services available in those stores. So we worked with them uh, to launch the capability to inform customers about where they could get vaccinations whenever they would go, you know, do a Google search for vaccinations near me. Uh, yeah. pop up and help customers find us. One of the really rewarding things that happened as a result of that, we got a customer letter saying that they were looking and looking and really, really needing to find a place to get a vaccination. They went to Google, they found Albertsons, they came in and had a great experience. And at the end of that, they decided they were going to start shopping at Albertsons. That's so cool. Uh, what about Pinterest? What are yeah. you doing with Pinterest? Yeah, Pinterest is another really exciting relationship. And, you know, you'll notice that that, you know, for each of these partners, there is a space that they are experts at something that they do extremely well. And I think partnerships, great partnerships like in life are about, you know, what does this entity do well? What do you do well? How does that one yeah. plus one equal something more than that? And, um, you know, Pinterest is another great example of, I have long been a customer of Pinterest. I love to go on there and be inspired by all of the different visual images they offer. And food is a big part of what people are searching for on Pinterest. I think one of their top uh, search uh, items is what's for dinner. <laughs> and so when you start wow. thinking about that, there's there's a lot of things that we can do with that to help inspire customers over what they might want to find, new meals, uh, hard to find items, all kinds of things that we wanna make sure that we're sharing. And so uh, we have, had the person who is uh, uh, running our meat departments sharing content through Pinterest about recipes that he loves, information that he knows, uh, just sharing his expertise in this arena. He's gotten, I think, I don't want to quote uh, the wrong numbers, but hundreds of thousands of views on Pinterest, wow. for the content that he has generated. And so we just think there's something really here in how we can connect with customers in a different forum, in a different way, uh, but really helping people understand that 
At Albertsons, we're here to help you figure out what's for dinner tonight. Yeah, no, terrific consumer um, customer engagement story. Uh, just just staying on that topic, uh, there you know you recently announced a media uh, network, Albertsons, I think Media Collective, right? Uh, can you talk a little bit more? I think that's also about engaging with customers and and uh, helping them shop better. So just talk, talk to us a little bit about you know, what's going on there. Yes, I'd love to. Well, I think, you know, a lot of other companies have uh, made great strides in this space. And, you know, we have been saying to ourselves, we're sort of a late bloomer. We're late to come <laughs> in this uh, arena. But, you know, there's a lot of companies that are offering uh, advertising capabilities on their retail site or even inside their retail stores. And this is an opportunity for CPGs to deliver their advertising, their content, their messages to our customers. And, you know, that's also a great match because customers when they come into our environment they're at the last few seconds of the purchase journey it's right where they convert and so it can be a powerful moment for a cpg to be able to tell their story at the moment of conversion and now with all of uh all of the great technology that we're building, you know, you can capture that moment of conversion and really understand what messages are best working to convert customers versus not. And so many retailers uh, are working on what they can do to provide these content channels for customers. And that's what our retail media network is as well. Um, and it requires you to, to build a marketing stack that's robust and it requires you uh, to have knowledge of customer needs at scale. Um, you know, millions of customers need this. Millions of customers are searching for that over the course of this week. And when you're capturing all that data, um, you can start to, to find ways that you're talking to those customers just at the moment of conversion. And that's really what these media networks are all about. Got it. And also I assume with all the inflation that we are hearing and seeing in the marketplace. Uh, this is also a way for you to kind of provide more targeted uh, offers that meet the needs of, uh, you know, a particular set of customers, I assume, right? Well, uh, yes. Is that something that you're, yeah. Yeah. Yes, and, and and I guess you know that's part of what I refer to when I say building a robust a robust marketing stack. Yes, the ability to yeah. you know know your customers and deliver the right messages to the right customers. You know, think along the lines of personalization. How do I know mm -hmm. what you might be interested in eating? So if we talk to you about that, there's a high likelihood that you'll convert. That's what advertisers are interested in. But when you think about it, um, that's also what the consumer is interested in because they don't want to see yeah. random messages about a product that you're not even thinking about. They want to look at the world of items that they are interested in right now. And, you know, with all of the data we have observing people's shopping patterns, you know, we're going to get smarter and smarter about how to put exactly the right items in front of the customer at the right time. Got it. But, but you, you know, uh, you're offering more tailored promotions, I assume, or yes. not yet, or you plan well, to? I should mention, we have been okay. offering personalized promotions for a number of years through our loyalty program. That's something that we think that we do exceptionally well and have for years um, because we've 
uh, long been thinking about, you know, what are you eating for dinner? What typically goes into your grocery basket? What might be something new that you would be interested in trying based on all the behaviors we've seen? So, you know, perhaps we see you trying uh, different types of breakfast cereal. And so a breakfast cereal coupon is something we would offer to you, which might be different than something we would offer to someone that we don't see trying any breakfast cereal. And yeah. so that's just an example of how you use the data to personally tailor the promotions to the individual. Or you kind of leveraging your, some of your big suppliers to also kind of contribute to your learning about your shoppers. Oh, yes, uh, absolutely. Our suppliers are great partners to us and definitely on the journey with us. And we learn things from them all the time. They learn things from us all the time. In fact, uh, some of the greatest conversations we have are ones where unexpectedly you learn about a trend or something coming from a supplier that yeah. you did not observe on your own. And, um, you know, this is really what I mean too about the use of data being prolific is really what becomes helpful because there's so much information coming at you. It's hard to spot what's most important. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would like to pivot uh, in the rest of the time on some of the lessons. I think you've already touched on a few along the way, but what are some of the lessons in terms of what I would call loosely as digital transformation, uh, which you have pioneered, you know, in your previous roles at you know at, at big Fortune, whatever hundred companies, and you're doing here. So, what are some of the you know based on your experience and expertise, what would you say are some of the uh, key success factors for digital digital transformation to succeed? Well, uh, start, starting with the number one thing I would always start with in this conversation, digital transformation is about change. And, you know, change management is something that is always hard. Um, it's hard because there's so many competing priorities. There's so much going on in the business world. It's getting faster paced, more complex and more change. And so uh, helping the people around you to see the need for change and getting people aligned around a specific objective to begin with is really important because if not, you'll find that some people agree and are running in that direction and others just haven't signed up for the change. So mm -hmm. starting with that alignment, I think is incredibly important. And then, you know, another really critical aspect of this digital transformation um, is about the use of technology in order to get more efficient, do more for customers, offer more services, you know, have a better understanding of your business. So digital transformation requires a really excellent use of technology. And to do that, you need to know what's available. So you need to be scanning the market. You know, there's lots of great trade shows to go to. There's, you know, so many ways to meet so many partners, but you really need to think about what you need to get done in the transformation and find partners who are excellent at it because there's aspects of this that are moving so rapidly that, you know, as a retailer, you're not going to be an expert in every one of these technologies. You really need partners that understand the technologies and can help you with that. So I think those are two of the most yeah. important areas. <laughs> most important, yeah. And I think you also said the so what, right? Of each of these initiatives, right? What, what benefit? You're going to be focused on the benefits and then looking at the technology versus the other way around, right? Right, exactly. Uh, Always have to start yeah. what you want to get done with a customer. 
with the customer. That's right. And and so you know, if I flip the question, uh, I'm sure you've seen lots of digital uh, initiatives that uh, didn't make it over the years, right? Not necessarily at Albertsons, but in your career. So, what are some of the core themes other than these two that you've seen as to why sometimes they don't get traction in in mm. an organization? Yeah, and I get it. Strikes me that I have two answers to that question. One is that. Um, one thing that's hard about digital transformation is that there are no sure bets. You know, you could have a great idea that you have to try at three or four or five times before you really get it right. Because, you know, you know, launching a new program, you don't always get it right on the first day and you often have to make adjustments as you go in order to make it better and better. Uh, we had an unlimited delivery club. It had some traction with some customers, but nowhere near what we thought it should have. So we felt that we needed to redesign that and take a step back and, and relaunch it. And so now we have a new implementation and we're really pleased with that. I don't know if this is the final implementation or if we'll continue to make changes because what we wanna do is put that in front of customers and then listen to what they have to say. But, you know, I think the, the other side of the question is when you um, are launching something that's driving change, you know, how do you make sure that it is successful when you're putting it into market? What learnings have you got? And um, yeah. I think the tenacity to continue to learn from customers, you know, it's the um, being willing to be flexible on the details of how you're going to market, but really staying true to what you're trying to do for the customer. It's that tenacity that typically gets you over the line uh, because you're gonna have to try several different ways to get there. And so, you know, an example of that is when, when we launched our uh, newly merged app that brought loyalty and shopping together, boy, we had some things in the wrong places on the first launch. People couldn't get to their coupons as fast as they did, and they were clipping fewer coupons. That's not what we wanted to accomplish. But we had all agreed on the fact that we were trying to accomplish a better coupon clipping experience and a better e-commerce shopping experience. And we were measuring both of those things every day to make sure that they were happening. And when we saw it wasn't, we stopped what we were doing, we went back to design, we changed a few things, we relaunched it in a few days, and it made a big difference. And so, mm. you know, it's the tenacity of, you know, we probably did revisions to that app every couple of days for a few months until we were really happy with the way it was running. Um, and so it's just an example of, you know, you, you just have to keep working at it. It's not a one and done type of uh, thought process where you go to launch one day and that's it. Yeah, no, in fact, you use the word tenacity. At IRI, we kind of say customer obsession, right? We're obsessed with our customers, so sometimes dangerously so, but you know, you need that to kind of get uh, drive these initiatives. Taking a digitally native company and achieving progress rapidly seems like an easier task than taking uh, uh, what I would call as uh, a traditional, uh, you know, non-digital company that has been there for years and then kind of transforming it. I'm assuming the order of magnitude of that change management is probably you know, 100 times or whatever, multiple times than you know, in a dig digitally native company. And you have been in both, both sides of this, right? Yes. So to compare and contrast a little bit at a high level, right? 
as to how how you know what what are some of the peculiar challenges of transforming a highly established uh, company like Albertsons, for instance. It's uh, it's such a good question and something I reflect on so often. But um, you know, as with anything, I think you just find pros and cons in both of those camps. So when you're working in a much smaller or more startup environment, there's a lot less people to convince about change. Um, And typically every person who joined the initiative or company, every person joined in order to get this done. And so, um, you know, you, you tend to be, you know, from the very get go, we're all aligned around getting something done. So it's just about the how. The difference in a big company, I think, is that there's so many people with so many competing objectives that it's not that that the team doesn't want to get something done. It's that it's the sense of priority amongst all of the things to get done. Uh, and so, I, you know, I just go back to my biggest lesson of all is you've got to start with agreement on what you're going to try and get done. Because if you start there, you have aligned priorities. Now you're even in a large company where now the real issue is the difficulty of communication across hundreds of thousands of people because it is a big established company and you can work through that. There's you know a series of things yeah. you can do to communicate well. It can take some time to communicate but it doesn't take that much time to communicate. And when people start to get excited about a mission because it's about making customers happier, it's about growth. You know, when people start seeing that that's actually happening, boy, that can be infectious and that can really help put the winter back too. So, you know, quick wins in this space are always something that can help. <laughs> yeah. Now, so as a, as a chief digital officer, you know, you have kind of probably at your, uh, at your third or fourth or fifth innings, as they say, what what uh, would be your advice to somebody who is just starting out and wants to kind of, you know, work uh, in CPG and retail and kind of help drive digital transformation? What are some traits? What kind of a career advice would you give to an aspiring Questrop? Ah. <laughs> uh, you know, one thing that I've loved about my own career is, you know, how much technology I've been exposed to and just the way of thinking that is about innovating on behalf of customers to make their Mm -hmm. lives easier. And so, you know, I'd say if if this is something you're interested in, my my guess is you're already interested in making people's lives easier. But this expansive knowledge of technology and how to implement it is really an important aspect because, you know, that's what you're going to be doing all day long. But but honestly, I'll also say I started my career in retail buying, which means negotiating. There's a lot of negotiating with this job. <laughs> there's a lot of negotiating because, you know, of course, again, working in a big company where there's a lot of competing things to get done, you know, you want to be getting things done to drive digital transformation alongside all of the other important things the company is doing. You know, there's ESG initiatives, there's productivity initiatives, there's store initiatives, and those things all have to be right too. It's not an or. So, you know, being able to negotiate well across the organization, working well with other teams so that you're all aligned is really one of the hardest things that you work on and you work on it every day. So chief digital and negotiation officer. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chris and KK. 
It's been an incredibly interesting and insightful conversation. Such passion, excitement, and frankly, decisive action to evolve and win. Very educational and inspiring. And I know our viewers and listeners will get a tremendous amount out of this conversation. I'd like to recap with a few of the key themes that I heard today. We kicked off with learnings and business acceleration during the pandemic. Albertsons was clearly well on the path to supporting the expanding e-commerce world, but the pandemic ultimately accelerated those efforts, expanding and enhancing the delivery and pickup capabilities, and ultimately really testing the mettle of those efforts to reach more customers and meet their rapidly changing needs virtually overnight, addressing both what was working as well as what was not working with tremendous agility. You talked about evolving customer needs and several themes emerged. Consumers clearly had an immediate needs change for both speed and convenience. You talked about how you thought about turnaround times for orders and the need to speed that up dramatically. You leaned on your existing technology while simultaneously re-engineering your software on the fly to reduce click to pickup and delivery service times from 22 hours to two hours in many markets. Now that's what I call rapid action. You also talked about maintaining broad selection and variety within the four walls of your stores and tying that to your pickup and delivery experience. We know that consumers want a one-stop shop, particularly in a pandemic. So you maintained a critical focus on assortment to fulfill that need. We then talked about partnerships and the significant momentum that you've had on this front over the past 18 months. You have materially expanded relationships with a variety of partners to enhance technology capabilities and the customer experience, including Google, Pinterest, and many others to help you find and serve new customers with products services, and ideas spanning everything from food and meal ideas to where to get a COVID vaccination for previously untapped new markets and segments. You also spoke about launching your new retail media network, Albertsons Media Collective, to help drive CPG support and personalize relevant brand campaigns and shopper-centric and engaging branded content to customers across Albertson's digital properties. We then segued into leveraging data analytics and technology to deliver insights at scale. Clearly this plays a critical role in helping you spot trends, identify specific opportunities with customers and take action fast. You talked about partnering with suppliers to focus on advanced data science and analytics to look at vast amounts of data to drive new insights and make decisions quickly in collaboration with the store as well as your supplier partners. We then transitioned to talk about digital transformation and clearly digital transformation is imperative. It's getting more complex and faster and alignment on the need for change and change management is essential. Using technology and partners to get more efficient do more for customers and do things differently. You spoke about staying abreast of the latest and greatest digital technology capabilities to stay ahead of the curve and that one must be willing to take risks, test and learn and adjust as you go. 
And ultimately, you must be willing to constantly evolve and stay nimble with tremendous tenacity. If you don't, you'll fall behind. And then finally, we closed off with your advice to aspiring digital marketers. You spoke of embracing technology and notably how to implement it, but also how to negotiate for it, which I thought was, was, a, was a key, key takeaway. Always with a focus on innovating to make the customer's life and experience easier and better. Thanks again, Chris and KK. Again, a phenomenal conversation. I learned a tremendous amount and we appreciate you taking the time to share your, your insights. For our listeners and viewers, this recorded conversation will be available on our website, iriworldwide.com. We hope you'll take an opportunity to review our other thought leadership, including valuable reports, as well as our dashboard of economic indicators. With that, we'll bid you adieu. Have a safe and healthy day. Take care. 